Enough Rock Podcast. Well, welcome. I don't know if you noticed, but we're going to do things a little differently today. So um, we're going to do things a little experientially. So can my voluntolds come up? <laughs> well, thanks. We're going to do an experiential, like I said, an experiential uh, conversation today. And because we didn't actually have all the capacity to, to have everybody do this, um, we're going to model it up here for y'all and then give you a chance to join with us at the appropriate part. But we're going to explore about Thanksgiving and this idea that um, of the Eucharist or, or communion. So if you guys ever, has anybody ever heard the word Eucharist? It's a Catholic word for communion. It's Latin. It means the table of thanksgiving. So the Jews have a ritual, a meal every year called the Seder, and it happens at Passover, but that's their version of thanksgiving. And as we work towards Thanksgiving this week, just want to take this opportunity to explore our heritage as children of Abraham in what the communion is and in the Thanksgiving ritual that they have. All right, you guys up for something a little different? It's going to be good, I promise. And if they're not, just look at some of these people. They'll be distracting enough. (laughs) Well, if you ever... and. Um, when we were setting this up, they actually like sit on the floor and recline with these pillows. But when we set up the thing to, to, to think about that, then we were all too low and y'all couldn't see us. So if you'll pardon us our heresy this morning of sitting, um, I'm going to sit down. <laughs> so Passover is the Jewish version of Thanksgiving and it happens in the spring, right? So Passover is the same time as our Easter and if you ever wondered why Easter moves, it's Easter's actually based on Passover. And Passover happens after the spring equinox, after the first full moon, the first Thursday. So let me tell you that again. It's the first Thursday, after the first full moon, after the spring equinox. And that's why it changes every year. But, thanks, but Passover is this week-long celebration that culminates in the Seder meal, the big Passover meal. And that is what we think of um, the Last Supper. So the very last meal that Jesus ate with his disciples before he died, because they ate it on Thursday, he was crucified on Friday, rose from the dead on Sunday. This, what we're going to go through here is like the cliff notes, the highlights of that meal. Jesus' very last meal with his disciples in, in fully human form. All right? And... It's a ritual that has so much meaning, and out of this meal, we get communion. Out of this meal, we get the Eucharist, the table of Thanksgiving. So let's go over a couple important highlight things. So if you look up here, this is a picture of a Seder plate, and a Seder plate has a few items on it, and one of them, the one down over here, the brown thing, is a hunk of horseradish, like literally a hunk of horseradish, and they kind of eat this a couple different times in the meal. Um, you've got a roasted egg, a sweet apple mixture, parsley, and a lamb shank bone. And each one of these items has specific meaning and significance in the meal. We'll touch on a couple of them because this meal takes like three hours, and so we're not going to do the whole thing there. Um, but these are the items in the, that symbolize that they talk about and tell the story of Exodus. They tell the story of Passover. The other thing about 
the meal is that there are four cups. So there are four cups of wine that they drink at different points along the meal. And the meal starts with the first cup. And the first cup is the cup of sanctification. All right? So they lift the cup and they say a blessing together. Baruch atah Adonai Elohinu Malak Halolam Bore Pri Hagafen. Blessed are you, O God, our Father, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And they drink the first cup, the cup of sanctification. So right after that, they pull out a tub of water and they wash their hands. But it's at this point in the meal where Jesus got up, instead of passing around this tub of water, Jesus got up and he changes his clothes and he puts on the towel of a servant and comes out. And instead of washing their hands individually, Jesus comes and washes their feet. So I want to read to you a little bit of what, what that means and what, what, what they would be practicing in the, in the meal and then what Jesus does for it. So... Let us offer a bowl of water to one another and share in this hand-washing ceremony. Let us also reflect upon the gesture of humility and the lesson of commitment made by Yeshua, the Messiah, when on that night he laid aside his garments and girded himself with a towel. And John 13 says, After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, and so you should wash one another's feet. So the cup of sanctification is then modeled in the hand washing. Only Jesus takes it a step further, and he models it in washing each other's feet. And through that, he demonstrates how we're sanctified. We are sanctified by Jesus cleansing us, by the work of God, but then in our acts of love and service towards one another. That is how we are purified. That is how we are sanctified. Then there are some cool interactive parts of the ceremony after that. So the youngest person at the table, which is Jordan tonight, today, this morning, whenever we are in time, Jordan is the youngest person here. And he gets to sit then at the right hand of the leader. And he has a job, and his job is to ask questions. So how many of you uh, believe in asking questions in church? Okay, I'm going to ask it again, and every hand should go up. How many of you believe in asking questions in church? Okay, good job. We have to ask questions. It's the only way we grow. It's the only way we grow. And it's part of the Seder meal that questions are asked so that we can learn what is this about? So the youngest asks four questions to the table. On all other nights, on all other nights, we break our bread, wheat bread, or matzah. On this night, why do we eat only matzah? On all other nights, we eat all kinds of vegetables. On this night, why do we eat only bitter herbs? On all other nights, we do not dip our vegetables even once. On this night, why do we dip them twice? On all other nights, we eat our meals sitting or reclining. On this night, why do we eat only reclining? So the meal goes forward answering these questions. Now, we're only going to touch on a couple of them because, like I said, it's a three-hour process. And I don't want to, I mean, I 
I have to eat at some point. So we will end the service at some point. But I want to take some time and go into the first couple ones. So the first question is about matzah. What do we do about matzah bread? And this is a piece of matzah. And some will get passed around to you in just a little bit so you can see it and hold it and touch it. But this is a piece of matzah bread. So in the week leading up to the Passover meal, they clean out their house. They, 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 it's spring cleaning. You clean out your house. You go through everything. And you find everything that has leaven in it. And you throw it away. You get rid of it. So it's like if you're gluten-free, like this is the time. You're like, woohoo! And, and you get rid of everything in your house. And that is an important part. So then you come to the only kind of bread that you make for this meal is a matzah. And we're going to, this is on our paper here. So it is both a duty and a privilege to answer the four questions of Passover and recite the mighty works of our faithful God. On all other nights, we eat bread with leaven, but on Passover, we eat only matzah, unleavened bread. As the children of Israel fled from Egypt, they did not have time for the dough to rise. Instead, the hot desert sun baked it flat. But even more than that, the scripture teaches us that leaven symbolizes sin. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. So during the season of Passover, let us break our old habits of sin and selfishness and begin a fresh, a new, a holy life. Then you have this very cool thing where you have three pieces of matzah wrapped in a napkin, okay? So you pull this out, and this one, this middle one, the middle one has a special name called the bread of affliction. So these three are kept in here, and they're a tri-unity. This is the literal uh, Seder service process. So they say, uh, the bread of affliction, the poor bread our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let all who are hungry come and eat of it. Let all who are in need to share in the hope of Passover. The three matzah wrapped together for Passover, and there are very explanations for the ceremony. The rabbis called these three a unity. Now, some consider it to be the unity of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and others explain the unity of worship, the priests, the Levites, and the people of Israel. But we know the Messiah can see the unique tri-unity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. And in this picture of matzah, we see Jesus. First, see how it is striped. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. And then see how the matzah is pierced. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace of supplications. And they will, shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. 
Zechariah 12.10. So in this triunity, in this three-one, we take out the middle one, the sun piece. And it's broken in half. The Messiah, too, was afflicted and broken. And now this half is called the afikomen, which means the coming one. And it's taken and wrapped in a white cloth, just as the Messiah's body was wrapped for burial. And if the children will cover their eyes, it's hidden in the house. And it's hidden away until the end of the meal. So just like the Afikomen will come and complete our Passover meal, so the sinless Messiah rises from the dead and ascends into heaven. And so we take this one part and we share it. So break off a piece. And we share in the piece of the unleavened bread. So the answers to the other, four, the other questions, in case you're wondering, take a long, I said they take a long time to talk about, but we take the horseradish and we dip it in a sweet apple mixture to remind us that, well, we, take the, we eat first a chunk of horseradish to remind us that slavery is bitter. And they tell the story of Exodus and what it was like under Pharaoh and the slavery and what they experienced and how they had to make bricks without straw in, in the life that they live, and they eat the horseradish to know, to remind themselves that that was not what they wanted to do. But then they take, then the next, then you tell more of the story, and you talk about how uh, God parted the Red Sea, and they walked across there, and they had manna in the desert, and so then they take the horseradish, and they dip it in the sweet apple mixture to remind us that even the most bitter of circumstances can be sweetened by our hope in God, and God can make all things good. And we recline and rest to remind us that once we were slaves, but now we're free. We're free. In fact, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Jesus says, come to me all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In John eight thirty six, he says, whomever the sun sets free is free indeed. And they remember this every time they eat the Passover meal. So they tell the story of Exodus, and they tell about God delivering the Israelites and slavery and from Pharaoh in a very powerful manner. And it's at this point in the meal that they drink the second cup, because there's four. We got to get through four of them. Second cup, which is the cup of plagues. And we remember what God did. Cup of plagues. So after the cup of plagues, they eat their meal. And so if the ushers would come forward, they're going to pass out the communion elements because we haven't gotten to communion yet. We haven't gotten to the Eucharist yet. But they're going to pass out the cup and a piece of bread. So you're going to break off a piece of the matzah bread as it comes by and hang on to these. We're going to take them all together, okay? What I love about this meal, what I love about the Seder meal is that everything is a symbol of Jesus. Everything is a ritual that reminds us of who he is. And, and to me, symbols are amazing because symbols are metaphors that teach us values. 
And when we get rid of the symbol, we forget how to teach values. And then when we engage in the symbol, when we engage in the ritual of communion, it reminds us of those values. It reminds us of what God has been talking to the planet since Moses. Moses designed this meal. Moses designed this meal. And the people of Israel have been partaking in the full Seder since then. And the Christians have been partaking in communion since Jesus. That's like over 3,000 years of people practicing this. That's 3,000 years. People have been looking at this bread, this matzah, and seeing Jesus. Every time they look at the matzah, every time they look at striped, it's pierced, it's the bread of affliction, the middle one comes out, gets broken, gets hidden away to be redeemed back. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. What rituals do you have at Thanksgiving? How do you remember where you've been? How do you celebrate what God's done? So after they had uh, supper, we pick back up this, this ritual and we come back to the afikomen. So the afikomen, that, that half of the bread that was broken and taken, and it symbolizes the coming one, it has been hidden somewhere in the house. And you send the kids on like a treasure hunt, right? They want to go find it. It's wrapped in a white cloth. They find it. Whoever finds it brings it back, gets, to, gets money. So it's like Easter egg hunt, tooth fairy kind of thing, right? They find it. They bring it back. They get, they get money. I could see in my family it ends up getting smashed because there's a fight. I could see it coming in different pieces and being like, oh, well, we each have a piece, you know, and trying to, like, barter and get money. But it gets ransomed back by the leader. So if we think about Jesus, if we think about the fact that he went and came to earth, he was buried, he died, he was buried, and the Father pays to get him back. The Father, it costs the Father a lot. To get him back. So the afikomen comes back. He gets paid for. And then you take it and you break it. And it's at this point in the service. Or in the meal. That Jesus takes the bread. So it's this point. It's time for us to share the afikomen. And the dessert. Which is the final food of Passover. This is the final thing that you eat. At a Passover. It is shared as the Passover lamb was shared from the time of Exodus until the destruction of the temple. And it is said that the taste of the afikomen should linger in our mouths for a year. Break it. So Jesus said, take, he broke the bread, and he said, take, this is my body that is given for you. This bread of affliction that's striped and pierced is my body laid down for you. Take, eat of this, do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread. And as we eat the matzah, meditating on the broken body of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, let us allow the taste to linger in our mouth. And after he broke the bread, he took the cup, the third cup of the Seder, the cup of redemption. Let us fill our cups for a third time this evening, the cup of redemption symbolizing the blood of the Passover lamb, for is the cup after supper with which the Messiah identified himself. 
the cup of redemption. Take the cup. So it's this point in the Seder meal where they talk about Isaiah and they say, let us remind, the prophet Isaiah reminds us, surely the arm of the Lord is not short, too short to save us. It is our own righteousness that falls short. The Lord has searched and he could find no one to intercede. So with his own arm, he outstretched and worked salvation. And his own righteousness sustained him. Isaiah 59. Yeshua the Messiah lifted the cup and said, this is my covenant, my blood, which is poured out for you. So the cup of redemption and the bread of affliction, this is communion. This is what Jesus handed out to everybody that they had done since they were children. Their their entire life, they had had this meal every year. And now Jesus says, this is me. So the last cup is the cup of praise. And they sing this amazingly long hymn. (laughs) And they praise the Lord. And it's this cup that Jesus said, I won't drink it again until I drink it with you in glory. So not everybody drinks the final cup. Some, some Messianic Jews don't. But the cup of praise, praise God. So you can see in the end of this, when they end it with a shout and a celebration saying, next year in Jerusalem, they remind themselves that they're not home yet. So in the Seder meal, which was Jesus' last supper. This was his last meal as a fully, fully human person sharing it with his disciples. The afikomen, the bread of affliction, was the last thing he ate before the cross. So they sing hymns on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. There are three psalms that you sing afterwards. They sang these songs while they're walking to the garden. And we know what happens after that. Jesus is betrayed, he's arrested, he's crucified. So the Seder meal started by Moses 3,500 years ago. 3,500 years ago, started by Moses. We get to celebrate again today. We get to celebrate it every time we take communion. And we can see that it reminds us what God has done for us, right? It reminds us of our past. It reminds us of our forefathers. It reminds us that once we're slaves and now we're free. It's also a meal of the present. It's a Thanksgiving. It's a celebration meal. And it celebrates that we can all be here together where we are, just like our Thanksgiving, right? Our Thanksgiving is a celebration that almost all of us successfully immigrated to this nation, We remember the past. We celebrate the present. Same thing with the Seder. The Seder is also a meal that points to the future. For Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I pass unto you what I received from the Lord himself. Jesus himself taught Paul this, which is kind of a pretty cool thought when you think about that he was already resurrected and risen. But um, Jesus himself taught Paul this. That on the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. And then he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, 
This is the cup. The cup of redemption is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Each time we celebrate communion, the table of thanksgiving, we get to remember our past, its bitter parts and its sweet parts. We get to celebrate our present, our family. My family's right there. Mama's in the house. Can't have a sermon with my, but no, but no mama's in the house. We get to celebrate with our family, our present. And we get to remember that God is not done with us yet. And there's a future. We get to proclaim the salvation of Christ to everyone as a witness until he comes back. That's communion, y'all. Amen? Amen. Can you give a hand to my voluntold, these willingly amazing people? So I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about what struck you in this illustration. I'm sure most of this was new, and you may have grown up taking communion all the time and never actually known what it was about. How it is so Jesus, and it is so old, and it's Jesus all the way through. So take a moment, think about what you want to take away from, with this. What do you want to take with you? What do you want to remember? What do you want to celebrate? And let's stand and worship the Lord together. So let's close our service then with uh, the ritual that we've become accustomed to, praying the prayer. I think that's part of the richness of what we heard from Jesse today, right? That ritual reminds us of the story, the story that we're all a part of, the story that God's been telling from the very beginning. And uh, I was thinking about this as we were worshiping. How cool for us that there's the opportunity that when we do Thanksgiving this week with our friends and our family, that that very act of that meal becomes a part of our witness. That that meal of Thanksgiving becomes a part of our witness. And it isn't an in-your-face thing. It's an enacted thing where we model what discipleship, following Jesus, really looks like. And so in the same vein, we will pray this prayer, the prayer that we always pray together at the end of every service. A prayer that reminds us not only of what God has done for us, but what he's doing in the present and what he promises to bring to fulfillment one day. It's the prayer of our faith. Let's pray together by saying, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and rose from the grave three days later. I receive forgiveness for every failure and sin in my life and give to you the right to direct my life from this day forward. I dedicate myself to learning the scripture, living in fellowship with God's people, following you in water baptism. In Jesus' name, I pray and trust. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, hey, we'd love to meet you because you've begun a journey of faith that we want to walk and partner with you in that. And so if you come forward, I'd love to learn a little bit about your story or some of the other members of our leadership team. Otherwise, let me give you a blessing. Receive this blessing now, this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Friends, we'll see you next week. Go in peace. Have a happy...
Have a good Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to this North Rock resource. To find out more information about North Rock Church, check us out at www.northrockchurch.com.